This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your free website that's pretty good that writes about Ohio State every single day. We are at LandGrant33 on the Twitter. We're on Facebook. I am on both of those places. My co-host Colton Denning is on both of those places. We're all over the place. Recording the show here on a late Monday afternoon, October 24th. So you'll be listening to this Tuesday or Wednesday or so. And I can verify, not sure about where, how things are going in Colorado, but I can verify that here in uh, scenic downtown Washington, D.C., the sun did in fact rise. Can you confirm that this happened at West? Yes, I can not only confirm that, but I'm, I'm looking outside right now and it is 80 degrees with a high percentage chance of being mad online. <laughs> you know what? Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's let's just go right right into it. Let's talk about being mad online. So as as you are undoubtedly aware, the Ohio State football team did something it has very rarely done, only five times, as I recall, in the land grant Holy Land era. Uh, they lost a football game. And they lost a football game uh, in a kind of unique manner, a game which they, they really, I think, dominated the run of play for most of the game, statistically had an advantage uh, against a team where they had superior talent. But thanks to some poor offensive line play and some very poor special teams disasters, they were upset by Penn State. And you can read on our website, you can read on Twitter.com and every other outlet that covers Ohio State football. You can read about how Ohio State lost this game or who's struggling. If you want to talk about the wide receivers or the quarterback or the or Isaiah Prince or the play calling or special teams, you know, there's a lot of other places you can do that. We're going to try to do things a little bit different here. I don't want to focus too much on the specific X's and O's of, of this particular game. And, and Colton, I'd like to talk more about the concept of being Matt online. Uh, take take me through your emotional journey during this football game. Like on a scale from one to ten, how mad were you? I, I think, and and this is something uh, I think is going to be cathartic for both of us to just unpack these emotions of losing, and not only that, but losing to Penn State. I think is my, my first point. That's what makes it the toughest. Is you know we talk about some of the losses in in the Urban Meyer era, and you know the Virginia Tech loss, whatever the the Michigan State games. That's a damn good team. That that first time Michigan State won the Rose Bowl, the second time, you know, they may not have been the best team in the Big Ten, but they won the conference, they went to the playoffs, and time will tell what this Penn State team is, but just from like, and this is what we talked about on the podcast last week, our own personal feelings about Penn State, I think that's what made it just so brutal, and just from my perspective, I mean, I, I was watching with a bunch of CU fans, and so I, I'm the only Ohio State fan in the room, and nobody really gave me any shit, but even when they were up 21-7, it, it just didn't feel right and I, I can't say that I, I'm completely surprised that it happened you and I both I think we, we put it on a scale of one to ten how worried we're about this game and I think both of us at least set a nine but 
just from an emotional standpoint, and this is something that I said after the game, they're better than Penn State. I think they played better overall than Penn State, but that doesn't change the fact that the way they played in the second half, not getting into the nitty-gritty offensively and then with the special teams, they deserve to lose. And I think it's okay to be mad about it, but also be like, yeah, that's they, they deserve to lose this game. And, and I think they did, and, and they got what they deserve based off of some of the play that not only happened on Saturday, but some of the symptoms we've seen heading into Saturday's game. I, so I think it's it's disappointing. You can be upset, but you know I feel like it was going to happen eventually. It, it it has to. You you play enough games, uh, and especially not being you know as young, especially being as young of a team as Ohio State, that there was going to be something like this. I think you and I and most fans thought that something like this was going to happen before the season. This was not a team that. On paper looked like it was going to project for a, a national title so you know I, I i think my i don't really know how to use my own baseline reaction to these kind of things as because I, I i hate how contrived and like elitist this sounds but it is a little bit different now that i i've been doing this job for a while like I get nervous about almost every Ohio State game leading up to it, uh, even if it's like against Bowling Green or Tulsa, because it isn't just my own fan interest involved here. I like to see Ohio State do well, obviously. I'm, I'm sorry if this, this is a surprise, uh, Sports Information Directors of America who are listening. But I also am aware of how this impacts our traffic, how it impacts our budget, how it impacts our site. And if Ohio State underachieves like it did last year in, in various games, it, it, it impacts my job and it impacts Land Grant Holy Land on a certain degree. So I, I'm also invested in a different way in making sure that we're wanting Ohio State to do well. So it's frustrating to see a loss like this. It, I think it was it was less emotionally infuriating than maybe the Michigan State or even the Virginia Tech losses. I know the talent disparity between Ohio State and Michigan State was just so vast. And, I, and for this game, it felt like, you know, Ohio State led most of the game. They outplayed them most of the game. But by the end, I, I was mad online. And it, it goes back to what you were saying before. I, I really don't like Penn State. I don't like – I don't uh, – you know, I, somebody – I think it was another Ohio State beat writer. It was like, it's a shame that Ohio State had to go give a, a happy moment to a program that does not deserve it. And uh, – that's that's that that I mean I, yeah it sounds like sour grapes but I mean like I'm not rooting for Baylor and 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 I I feel like structurally especially on the internet Penn State is similar yeah and you know what Ohio State special teams you know get it together you're taking food off of Matt Brown's plate man he's trying to feed his family Ohio State special teams let's go yeah keep clicking this I know I know you're hungry <laughs> I know that you're being exploited right now because you don't get paid for your services and you're risking your ACL and your long-term brain function and all these other things here but what what why hasn't somebody considered my needs that of the blogger. I'm yeah, sorry. think about the bloggers. And and this is, I think, something that I'm going to have trouble really articulating. It's either something that I think the listeners are either going to get or they're not going to get. And not to sound too coach-speaky, but I, I think at least from my standpoint, I'm way more upset about the process of this game than I am of the result. Because... Like I said earlier, I think both of us, if you told us that Ohio State was going to lose this game, it was going to be a close game. But hey, it's a night game in Happy Valley. It's going to be a charged up atmosphere. It's going to be a three-point game, and it's going to come down to the wire. But ultimately, Ohio State's going to lose. I would say, you know what? They probably got a little bit tight. The freshmen and sophomores look like freshmen and sophomores. And you know, Penn State made enough plays to win. And ultimately, I think in a sense that did happen. But the, the fact that they were up to 
21 to seven and they had multiple chances to kind of put this thing away. And the, the fact that it ended with another special teams problem and even on punt returns, you know, the Dontre Wilson fumbles. It was just kind of a microcosm of, of what feels like has been building up that eventually this team was going to lose a game like this. So I think from my standpoint, I'm more upset with just the process of the loss than I am of the actual loss itself, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. It kind of confirms a lot of the, the suspicions that we had about various Ohio State position groups. It, it, it's it's different to, you know, line up and, and just get your ass beat, and that wasn't what happened here. Uh, Urban Meyer, his remarks in the press conference on Monday afternoon and that of the players and some assistant coaches, I think, were, were a little bit telling. They were, they were very adamant about putting this game behind them, not letting it beat them twice moving forward, which is something that can happen if you have a, a young team that's not used to this sort of thing. So why don't we do that as well? You are listening to this podcast because you want to be entertained and informed and probably don't want to complain even more about Penn State. We'll just say we'll just say this. I, I, this last thing I want to, to quickly add: the one silver lining I think this entire experience is that it does I think cement James Franklin's place at Penn State. And as an, uh, somebody who has watched a lot of James Franklin coached Penn State football, I am not worried about that in the least. Yeah, and to that point, just to kind of wrap it up, you know, one with what we've seen from from Myers teams, you know, not even just at Ohio State, but dating back to Florida, more often than not, when when they lose, they come out with with a certain type of fire and aggression that sometimes they may not have had before that loss. So I think that that going forward, heading into Northwestern, will be interesting to see, you know, if this team can follow the the path of last season's team after the loss to Michigan State, after the loss to Virginia Tech, and and some of Myers teams at Florida with what they did after losses and. and Secondly, and, and I think this is something we touched on in the Wisconsin game uh, about how whenever Ohio State doesn't play well, we always go to the, you know, the go-tos, the play calling, the, the coaches, the offensive line, the passing game, whatever. And, and I know that, uh, you know, I, I'm going to speak for you here. We've said it before. We hate Penn State. But to be fair, you know, kudos to Penn State for playing the second half the way that they did. They, they ultimately and absolutely deserved a victory. You know, their kids are on scholarship, too. And it's not like this is, you know, a team full of two stars that beat Ohio State. You know, Brandon Bell is a guy who had 13 and a half tackles. Jason Cabinda played extremely well. Garrett Sickles in the second half just single-handedly dominated the Ohio State offensive line. So I, I think, too, that we can look at it from an Ohio State perspective and be upset and be mad about it. But... On the flip side of that, Penn State deserves a little bit of, bit of credit, too, because they played well in the second half, and I feel like they did enough to win, even though I think that they got outplayed. But kudos to them for finally picking up a big win. We'll, we'll see if they can do anything with it. Yeah, great great for Penn State to get healthy at, at the right time here, especially with their, with their linebackers. I feel like I was alone on the Penn State might be good mountain earlier that week. They might be good. Offensive play calling and execution still left something to be desired for a team that has a running back as good as Saquon Barkley, but that, that defensive front is is strong, and Penn State may, may very well end up winning out. So so congratulations to them. Uh, I just regret that your fans are happy. But let, let's, let, 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 us, let us move on, because there's another Ohio State football game that will be this that on Saturday. It's the, a rare one that won't be at night, so we can all get to bed on time uh, in a uh, week that's going to be full of, of big college football games. Let's talk about Northwestern. What do you know about Northwestern? It could be, you know, extend this to 
Northwestern generally, not just Northwestern, the 2016 edition of their football team. Well, I, I don't know if you've heard, Matt, but Northwestern has a great journalism school. You know what? It does. And I'm not sure if everybody else is aware of this. You know, uh, both Colton and I are both proud graduates of Medill, the journalism program at Northwestern, which is a very good journalism school, if, if you haven't heard. Uh, I am a Medill graduate, Medill, Medill, Medill. Basically, every sports writer either went to Medill or got waitlisted from Medill and is secretly a little bit uh, salty about that. Northwestern has not been very good at producing actual athletes, but when it comes to producing people who write about athletes, uh, they are uh, an, over, an overrepresented program and, and one that we like to poke endless fun at because a lot of people who suck went to Medill. Like Darren, like, uh, oh no, Darren Ravel didn't go to Medill. He went to Northwestern, but he's like a theater major, right? <laughs> I can't say I'm up on my uh, my Darren Rovell inside information, but I know yeah. like J.A. J. Adonde's uh, a Northwestern guy. Uh, most of the people out here, though, are, are Syracuse people, too. So oh, they didn't get into Medill. But Ohio State doesn't play them, so they yeah. don't matter. They don't They don't matter. It's, it's, it's Northwestern, Syracuse, Missouri, and Ohio. And what do those four football teams have in common? Uh, they're all worse than Ohio State. And and we're, we're not. this is not a talk about the J School podcast. Let's talk about football. So real quick, I, 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 to Northwestern's credit, after an absolutely abysmal start of the season where they got the boats rowed on them by Western Michigan and then lost— Nine to seven in a almost nice but very not nice uh, game to Illinois State, uh, and and the North, North, Northwestern has improved dramatically. They've beaten Iowa. They clobbered Michigan State. They they won a tough game against Indiana. Their offense is firing right now on on a much higher degree than it was in the beginning of the season. But Northwestern still overall, the advanced statistics do not think they are a very good team. They are currently ranked in the S&P Plus at 57. Let me give you a little tour of teams right now that are ranked higher than Northwestern. Middle Tennessee State, Oregon, Louisiana Tech, Texas Tech, and the final insult, Notre Dame. Who's, by the way, is 2-5. and five. Are you aware that Notre Dame is 2-5 and five right now? Uh, speaking of being mad online, like... I'll take one loss over what Notre Dame's had this season because there's a lot to be mad online about if you're an Irish fan. Here's a lot to be mad online about if you're a Notre Dame fan just in general because uh, the British Empire was overthrown by the by the, the rebels of the United States. We no longer have a monarchy. That uh, that Brian Kelly face, if I think from what, like the USF game like five years ago, that is mad online in one picture right there. Yeah, un, 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 unquestionably. That's... I mean, if we if we want to spend another forty five minutes making fun of Notre Dame because we don't Ohio State doesn't get to play them for another decade or so, uh, I'm happy to do that. But we should we should probably stick here to uh, the fighting copy editors of of, of Pine Northwestern uh, University. Is there anything about this team that scares you or you think is of particular note if you are an Ohio State fan? Quite honestly. <sighs> You know, just looking at the advanced stats, I can't say that I've I've watched a lot of Northwestern after the Illinois State game, but Clayton Thorson seems to have improved over the course of the season. He had a pretty rough uh, freshman year, and he started off the season just the same as well. But I, I think he's been better as the season has gone on. Justin Jackson is their workhorse at running back, and they aren't necessarily efficient or really explosive on the ground. Or They're more more so explosive than they are efficient, but I feel like there's nothing they really do 
well enough that you can say, well, they'll either throw the ball in Ohio State or they're content to just run the ball out the middle. I think that, you know, even after a loss of what we saw from the Buckeyes last week, it's hard to picture Northwestern, at least offensively, being able to consistently move the ball down the field. Maybe they hit a couple of big plays like Penn State did through the air, but outside of that, I I can't really see any way that they're at least going to keep up from a scoring perspective. Yeah, it's kind of like watching a poor man's Wisconsin. I think in that respect, Justin Jackson is legitimately very good. If uh, if Barkley is not the best running back in the Big Ten, I, I think it is Jackson. Austin Carr is also terrifying. He's averaging over 100 yards receiving a game. Uh, he is basically Northwestern's passing attack. Uh, he's somebody that you could basically double team and you make like, you know, Solomon Vault beat you or something. And, and that's probably not something that Northwestern's able to do. I, I'm not going to again. This is the guy that's worried about everything. I'm not worried about this game. I think Ohio is, is at home after two very difficult, emotionally draining night road games. This is against a team that does not have a very efficient offense, and it's also a defense that struggles with efficient offenses. This is, this is a team that, that, that does not do very well at defending first downs. It doesn't do very well at, uh, at keeping teams off balance and, and unsuccessful in the passing game, which is exactly what Ohio State is going to want to do here. They're, 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 they're going to be able to run the ball, but obviously, and we said this the past couple of weeks, they want to be able to get a, a passing game rhythm established beyond just screen passes and unsuccessful deep shots. The, the whole middle of the field route tree has not really been something that's been part of Ohio State's offense to their uh, chagrin. I think that's going to be available against Northwestern. This does not have the pass rush of either of these last two teams. They definitely don't have the offensive forces to keep up. S&P Plus gives Northwestern just a 7% chance uh, of winning this game. That feels about right to me. I'm not sure if Ohio State's going to be able to cover, I don't know what it is, like 23 and a half, 23 points. But I don't think that this is going to be an especially close game. And uh, it will set things up for what should be a very interesting battle with Nebraska the following week. Yeah, and I think the the two biggest things from my perspective to look for from this game, and, and I'll stick with the offense because I, I think, you know, despite a few breakdowns and big plays against Penn State, that's kind of Penn State's MO. I think we kind of knew going in that the Nittany Lions were going to have some big plays through the air. And, you know, Trace McSorley completes eight passes, but I think like four or five of them go over 25 yards and Saquon Barkley has a couple of big runs. But I don't see no, or I don't see Northwestern being able to do that. So offensively, this is what you mentioned, that Northwestern hasn't been great defending first downs. And as we've looked over the course of the season, I think Ohio State's efficiency on first downs, especially in the run game, has decreased dramatically, especially over the last couple of weeks with what, starting with what, Indiana did to them a couple of weeks ago and then in the Wisconsin game and I think Penn State was only giving up three yards per play on first down to Ohio State and and what we've seen from this current iteration of this team if they're not able to get solid gains on first down with the runs especially with Mike Weber the passing game hasn't been able to make that up yet and to your second point you know they're still trying to work this this deep threat offense and although Barrett may have his limitations with his accuracy deep it seems like these receivers at least at least the ones playing you know maybe KJ Hill Benjamin Victor Austin Mack maybe those guys would bring a different element if they got more playing time but guys like Paris Campbell Terry McLaurin Dontre Wilson and, and Noah Brown 
they're not really built for that. So I, I do wonder if we're going to see a little bit of a revamped, not really scheme, but just passing concepts to where we saw Noah Brown a little bit more over the middle in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter last week. So I, I would look more so for that. And I would be disappointed if we don't see more of that. And we kind of get the same thing of just like, well, let's just hope to hit the deep ball because I think at this point, it's just not going to work with this current personnel. Yeah. The, the, their Ohio State's ability to, to change, I don't, know, I don't know if that's rotating in different personnel or, or tweaking the playbook or just executing at a different level, will definitely be on display. Uh, against a probably uh, might be the worst team left on, on on the schedule. I mean, well, I guess they still have Michigan State, but yeah, yeah Michigan yeah. State would like to stand on a table and beg to differ on that one after <laughs> what they did last week. All right, that's that's that that's a fair point. So let, let's let's put that aside. Let me ask you another important, difficult question. Who you got in the World Series? Oh, I, I hate the Cubs. And my apologies, my apologies to Mrs. Brown or Miss Brown, but it's I, I can't do I it. I hope it's Mrs. Brown at, the, at this point. So something Brown, happens yes. when, when I left this morning. <laughs> I, I just I can't do it in, in the fact that I rooted for the Dodgers over the Cubs. I do not want to see Chicago fans happy. And it's like I always hearken back to with where Boston was and the Red Sox were pre that 2004 year where everybody was like oh just let them have one like I'm sure they're nice people they really deserve it and then you know fast forward 12 years and everybody's like wow that's awful why did we why did we even do that this has been the worst decision we've ever made and I think that that's exactly what's going to happen if the Cubs win the World Series is everybody going to be like wow these people are assholes there's a reason we didn't <laughs> like the Cubs and that's just from my perspective and no. I'm sure that there's like a bunch of Cubs fans listening and like you know what screw you guys i hope the indians win not only because it's ohio but because uh chicago fans deserve misery at me <laughs> no so like it, it's funny you mentioned that i i lived in chicago for several years i lived near humboldt park and i lived in avondale which is just north of logan square for all six of you uh who are familiar with the geography of chicago and um i i, I remember for a while before i met taylor i was i dated a girl who lived in wrigleyville and I, I, that was like my first real experience with like ground zero um, concentration of Cubs fans because well that is a, a perfectly lovely neighborhood in the winter and there's some fun bars there and there's some good pizza you the, the, the commuting in that neighborhood is horrible and people are peeing on all the streets and it's a bunch of you know, dumb frat bros and then, you know, drunk dads from insurance conferences that came in from Iowa and mess everything up. And, and then it kind of smells. And I kind of learned to dislike them a little bit. You know, in Ohio, I, I didn't feel bad about the Cubs. You know, they were lovable. They were losers. They had a fun announcer. Their games were on TV just about as much as Indians games were because of WGN. But that proximity the Boston example is is a is a pretty good one. With, without the uh, the horrible accent or the the overrepresentation in American media, because everybody's from I went to college in Boston, even though it ain't that big. So I, I get that. I don't. The truth be told, I don't really care that much about baseball anymore. But when I did, I was a huge Indians fan, and I want to be able to lord this over my wife because this is the only sporting event <laughs> that I think she's actually cared about uh, since we've been married. So uh, Indians in three. Well, and like to be fair, I, I feel like you can make the same point about Cleveland fans and Indian fans because now that the Cavaliers won and, and they were the they were the team to break the drought for Northeast Ohio, even though Ohio State's been kicking ass for two decades now, um, 
you know, now that the if the Indians win, you're gonna hear like, "Oh, Cleveland, city of champs, bring it on, bros!" And it, it's gonna be just as bad. So, like, I, I'm not leaving Cleveland fanned out of this either. Like, you guys can go to hell too. Now, ca- counterpoint, <laughs> counterpoint, Cleveland is the city of champions, and also go to hell. Warriors blew a 3-1 lead in the NBA Finals with the unanimous MVP and uh, Tribe in three. I feel like I've, I've turned heel on the podcast today, and everybody that didn't already hate me before is going to be like, this guy's trash. Yeah. Get him off. That's true. Uh, I, don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> we, are, we are, in fact, uh, both trash, um, if, 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 that wasn't, if that wasn't clear to begin with. Um, do you have anything else that you're burning on here real quick before we let these fine people in radio land or podcast land go? Yeah, speaking of things that aren't trash— and uh, Taylor, I, I want to talk a little bit about the Taylor takeover that your wife instituted. What was it on on Friday? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, this was also something that I didn't know about. So uh, if you're not following me on Twitter.com, um, I commend you for your positive and, and, and excellent judgment. Um, my takes are dumb and they're spelled wrong. But uh, like a couple of weeks ago, I cut my finger when I was washing the dishes and like had to get it glued. And I, I, I honestly could not type for a couple of days. And my wife had the my, my, my tweet deck open and then she decided that she was going to tweet. For my account and my coworkers who I liked it and a couple other people responded positively to it. And so I think, yeah, last Friday I was, it took me a long time to put the kid to bed and I was like, I, I'm, you know, I've been, I've been working on my book. I've been reading a lot. I'm going to play mafia for a little while. And so she took over my Twitter account again and I told things that were all accurate except for one story, which was complete bullshit. And I think I know what you're going to talk about. And it's simply not true. Well, the, for the listeners that, that weren't following, there's a story of, of murder of, I mean, I don't really know how else to put it, but it was basically leading up to your guys' first date, and I'm assuming that, that the murder part isn't true, which, to be clear, neither Matt nor Taylor were involved in, just to, no, just no. to throw that out the, there. The murderer, that is true. He, he, <laughs> he did try to uh, rob a bank in downtown Evanston and was killed by the police, and it's actually very sad. But if you had met this guy... Like I did, trying to. You have, you have, you have, you have to go read the tweets. I have a really weird and long "How I Met Your Mother" kind of story. Um, the fact that that's the part of the story that is true is just quite amazing. Actually, no. In, in the "How I Met Taylor," every single thing that she said there is true. So was the was the first kiss story the part that? Wasn't oh yeah, true? yeah. That, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, that's no. She this it's 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 not true. It turned into a hug because she turned around, not me. Well, folks, Land Grant Holy Land has turned into. Uh... Was it Dr. Drew show? Yeah, listen, listen. I, my, my wife has the good sense to not listen to this podcast. I know this, I know this isn't going to come. <laughs> I don't blame her. I, right? No, she has to listen to me talk all the time. But but, but let, let the record state that that's not what happened. And um, if, you, if you at me about it in my mentions, I will get mad online. So don't do that. I will say, though, I, I do, just to my, my main point, I do enjoy the Taylor takeover. And I think many other of your followers do as well. You know, it, it's funny. I think I actually lost like 12 followers when she... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? If you can't if you can't handle me at my wife, then you can't handle me when uh, I'm tweeting memes. Um, if you can't if you can't handle Matt at his Mark D'Antonio 2016 Michigan State, you don't deserve him at his James Franklin 2016 Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Think 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 <laughs> think, think about that internet. If you can't if you can't handle me at my Luke Fickle, you don't deserve me at my Urban Meyer. 
There, there we go. Full, full, full circle. Uh, I actually, I mean, I, I think I need to, do, need to do a better job of just closing down TweetDeck though when I'm not using it because like my laptop's usually open when I'm at, uh, at home if I'm doing something else. And that's when either my daughter starts tweeting, which she hasn't done in a little while, but give it time. I'm sure it'll happen again. Or when Taylor decides like, yeah, oh, well, you know, he's killing, mo- he's, kill- he's killing mobsters in 1960s New Orleans. Time, time to make fun of my husband. And, and that's fine. <laughs> on, the, on that note, if you're still listening here, God help you. Uh, this has been the uh, Hang On the Holy Land. You can find our show on SoundCloud, on iTunes, on LandGrantHolyLand.com, which is a website that's updated every single day about Ohio State sports and news and jokes. And uh, you should continue to click on it and tell your friends to click on it and tell your friends to follow us on our multiple social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Snapchat. Because the website's free, but if you click on all of those things, then I can buy diapers for my daughter. I think that's everything, right, Colton? Yeah, you can also find the show, given how this 30 minutes has gone, probably in the trash can, too. That's, that, that's true. It's also <laughs> in your deleted podcast and unsubscribed folder. As long as you give us the download, that's all we care about. <laughs> exactly. On, on that note, let's never talk about Penn State again. Uh, let's never talk about the end of that game again. It was bad. Football is actually bad. But our podcast is good. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be in touch with you next week and on Facebook Live on our, on our website. Thanks for listening. Go Bucks. I've had a, a Mountain Dew Live wire and two Diet Cokes. I'm a gross person.